And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great welcome responsibility. Back, what if they've never come before? Oh, crap. Yeah, what if they're only here for our guest? What if this is their first time? Oh, boy. You have to worry about that too much. <laughs> well, well, welcome for the first time. Um, so, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. What is that responsibility? Well, you think, oh, geez. I hope this isn't one of those parenting podcasts where they tell me everything I'm doing is wrong. That's not what it's about at all. Everything you were doing is right, especially if you're sharing your old toys and movies and video games and everything else with your kids. And that's kind of what this is about is it's stuff from your childhood that you want to pass on. Um, it's not necessarily a nostalgia podcast as much as it's a, hey, this oh, stuff yeah, was off. Well, it is. Yeah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a new Ghostbusters trailer dropped today. So this is all about nostalgia. Um, but but anyway, uh, before we get into who our guest is, I wanted to do a tiny, tiny bit of housekeeping like I always do and thank our patrons that are $15 or more. That's Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chippa, Patricia, Patricia Chippa, Patricia Chipman. Hi, Mom. Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin CV, Mike the Gatherer, and Tyler Freshcorn. And as most of my podcasts lately are, this week's episode is brought to you by the Geeks with Shields podcast. Each week, hosts Axel and Ulrich provide a nerdy escape from the darkest timeline, talking everything from comics to long-form movies and TV shows. If the darkest timeline has you down, check out the Geeks with Shields podcast for all your nerdy needs. So, Sarah, who's our guest? Tell the world. Vespi. How do I pronounce his last name? You have to help me here. <laughs> she only knows you by Quint. I only know him as Quint the Gift God guy. <laughs> that is uh, uh, probably what will be on my tombstone, so that's totally fine. Wonderful. Are you going down via shark as well? Well, not but wearing a Santa hat, I think. So. <laughs> nice. Yes! But anyway, yeah, so... so um, Eric, you've been on the show before, at least you've been on Shooting the Shit before, and your your gift guide is mythical and very, very important to Sarah and I. In fact, we wouldn't have gotten most of the gifts for our friends over the last, I don't even know how many years we've been watching his guide. But uh, um, tell some people about yourself if this is their first time tuning in and about, uh, about your gift guide. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, my name's Eric Vespi. I've been writing about movies online since i was 16 or 17 years old i started the site called ain't it cool news and uh left that site in 2017 after you know about 20 years there and have been uh freelancing since then just kind of doing movie geek stuff at various outlets and reviews interview set visits that kind of thing but uh, throughout it all i've kind of had a yearly tradition uh, of compiling the most massive uh, geek gift guide around the holidays. Um, it's a tradition I started at Ain't It Cool, and when I left, I took it with me. <laughs> so, yeah, that that is the mini bio. Yes, the mini bio. And he started at Ain't It Cool. Oh, at, I thought he started. And, and that was what? You like, were like, started, how the hell do you leave it? You were like 16, yeah. 17? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was yeah. It must have been sixteen because it was ninety seven when I when I uh, first started at the site or started working or not even working there, just writing. I was still in high school, so so uh, yeah yeah no I, I uh, uh, you know just kind of fell into it. The the guy who began the site, you know, I, I caught his eye because I was you know going to these film festivals, you know, and I was the only person he. Uh, uh, didn't know at this festival that was like watching all the movies, including the midnights and the early morning movies. So, so, uh, that caught his eye. And then I, you know, 
you also found out that I've been writing for my high school newspaper and doing interviews and stuff with celebrities and and you know he saw that I had a go get him attitude so I started writing for him yeah that was the origin that's awesome so when did you start the guide do you remember was it I I mean I I, I feel like it was forever but um, you know, I just, uh, I just looked it up because, uh, honestly people have been asking me and I, like, I've just been going, oh, it's been so long, you know, sometime in the, you know, the, the aughts somewhere in there. Um, and the first one that I found was in 2004, but even that is saying like this year we're, I have giveaways or something. So it's like, I must've done it before, you know, before then. So maybe 2003, 2000, you know, four is the first evidence I can find it on any, any cool doing a, a quick Google search. Yeah, that, that, that seems to be where my brain goes because it was. Well, how long have we been looking at it? We've been looking at it since 2006, 2007. Really? I mean, yeah, I, I would, at least that's what I was using to figure out gifts for people. Oh. Maybe I would show it because remember, you'd always be like, where do you come up with these? Uh, these crazy like books that you find and why are you asking for books anyway you don't read <laughs> <laughs> they look nice next to the to the bed no man I, yes I'll... i have a lot of coffee table books thanks to your gift guide oh you're welcome yeah they're they're wonderful and, and they they catch people's eye i mean um we just got the cinemaps oh last year or the year before and oh my god that thing was amazing yeah no that that's uh the book section is one of my favorite sections of the guide because that's like i feel like with the blu-ray section i'm kind of you know just reiterating what's come out or what you know the new special editions of things are the gift editions or collector's editions you know which is fine and it's great and that's you know one of the most popular sections of the guide but like books is where i go oh yeah julie andrews has a memoir out this year and i never would have known you know yeah but, i would have known if you hadn't pointed it out yeah like that's the stuff that's just like not on my radar typically, unless I have to go search for it when I uh, do my research. And um, I found I found out about Julie Andrews, I think first book from this gift guide, and we ended up getting a copy for my wife and my grandmother because oh. the the movie that my, my grandmother and I would I mean we watched everything, but Mary, she was Mary Poppins, right? <laughs> and so it's, well, we buried her with her VHS copy of Mary Poppins. Oh wow! Yeah, that was a very important movie for us. Um, so uh, yeah, that's oh, this is so cool. Um, yeah, Sarah was like, she goes, "I'm gonna have a hard time not fangirling over this because." <laughs> but so, what was? Do you remember like the initial motivation for starting it? Was it like you kind of fell into it just because of you know people offering giveaways or companies going, "Hey, we," because I know like the tie-in was to Amazon a lot of the time, at least to like click and go to it. Yes. Yeah. Um... I, the the creative side of it was all from I'd seen like a, no no movie geek sites it was all like you know the the bigger you know corporate owned sites or whatever that would have like you know the Forbes top twenty gifts for the the season and then like I think somebody tried to do one for geeky gifts and it was like it was all stuff that you would get like out of a airline catalog you know it was all like massaging chair and remote controlled robots like it wasn't anything that anybody actually you know was looking for and uh, uh i remember i grew up in the heyday of the sears wish list you know coming in and that was to me the start of the christmas season it was like very vividly i remember my grandma would always hand me that thick sears wish list 
and tell me to circle what I wanted for Christmas in it. And of course, I would then skip past, you know, you know, all the furniture and appliances and go right to the toys and, uh, you know, circle whatever Ninja Turtles thing that I, I was super into. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, it kind of struck me looking at these gift guides that existed. Um, uh, one, they were tiny. So again, it was like the 10 things, and I'm like, and they're not even good things. And it, it just, it, it didn't feel right. So I figured that, that there was kind of a missing element of that in the online world, that missing feeling of, of the Sears wish list, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, which is why the, uh, the guide, you know, is so big and crazy and, and, you know, takes like a solid month to do because it's, you know, I, I can't, you know, I, I've had friends tell me, it's like, you, you lose a month of your life doing this. It's like, why don't, why don't you just do like, you know, a pared down version of it? And I'm like, well, then it's, it's not going to be what, you know, the identity of this. It's like, you know, why don't, why did Peter Jackson make an hour and a half long, you know, Lord of the Rings movie? It's like, it's like, it's just not what it wants to be. Um, uh, yeah, so I mean that was kind of the origins, and around the the, the same time, uh, Harry Knowles, who ran Ain't It Cool News, uh, you know, was certainly uh, not giving extra money to anybody, but he would allow his uh, uh, his employees to have their own Amazon links, and so um, I just figured, what the hell? Um, uh, on the first, and it was crazy. The first year I just did the the list, and then I think it was the second year when I incorporated my Amazon link. Uh, to it and then that ended up being becoming a you know a bonus you know a big bonus to me and I you know became kind of a crucial article you know for me to write just in terms of you know being able to afford to live so you know because being a, a movie blogger doesn't uh, 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 you know pay pay very well so right of course yeah so um, yeah I mean and it you know you know, so it, it's been, you know, it took off pretty quick back then. And then even, uh, you know, even now it's like I'll start getting people in my Twitter feed, um, you know, around August going, hey, so we're getting the guide again this year, right? You know, please, you know, nudge, nudge. And... Please, I don't know how to work the internet. I need well, you. For when you told me that he left Ada Cool News, the first thing I said was, what about the gift guide? And I think that's one of the first things you posted post then is don't worry, the gift guide is happening this year. And I was like, yes. Yeah, no, well, that that was, it was crazy because I left Ain't It Cool in September of 2017. And it was a sudden departure, you know, for the backstory, the short version of it is my boss got me too'd and then I looked into it and realized that I couldn't, couldn't stay there and you know and i talked to him i talked to a lot of the people involved and it became pretty evident that didn't, i couldn't stay and uh and so it wasn't a planned thing you know again i the identity of ain't it cool i feel very tied into i it, it grew up with me you know i was a teenager when i started writing there and i was in like one of the main voices on the site by the time i left and and you know i it you know i i I feel ownership, you know, of it, you know, to some degree and, and having helped steer the ship during its, its heyday. And, uh, you know, but I, obviously I just couldn't stay around when I learned what I learned. And so I, you know, I made an unplanned you know, departure and, and luckily I got, you know, hired right away. Um, after I, uh, publicly announced I left the site and, uh, by a company called Rooster Teeth here in Austin, and uh, uh, one of the first things they said is they they wanted me to 
to do the gift guide for them. And, uh, you know, so that, that was a whole process of figuring that out because their, their whole content was, uh, uh, was very video based. And so we had to like buy our own, you know, get a Squarespace account and, you know, build our own website just for the gift guide. And, uh, uh, you know, and that, that year, you know, that came pretty late and, you know, just like this year, I honestly didn't think I was going to do it. <clears throat> do it this year um just because i i had uh i was laid off from rooster teeth uh at the end of last year and i did the uh holiday gift guide on my own and you know and it was good and a lot of people liked it and supported it but you know just financially the the links weren't very weren't paying off very well for me and and it's it's such a huge time commitment you know i i looked at what i made last year and i'm like you know, I'm giving up a month of other possible work to do this. And, you know, because this isn't something I can just piece together at nights or, you know, weekends. It's, it's something that I have. Sorry, those are my, my cats being assholes, if you heard that. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, it, it's something I have to dedicate time to. And, you know, being a freelancer versus being, you know, paid to do, <laughs> you know, to, to build something like that up. You know, I just kind of looked at it and I was like, you know, it, with the costs of running your own site, and, you know, I, I just didn't think that it, the, the money was going to be there. And as much as I have the passion for it, you know, I also have to be a little bit more realistic when I'm a freelancer and, you know, dedicating my time, you know, to where, you know, I can keep paying my mortgage. <laughs> and uh, uh, but then, uh, you know, pretty late in the game, uh, Birth Movies Death you know reached out to me i've been working with them on a couple of different things and and uh they said oh by the way you know we you know we really want to do a gift guide and and uh you know we thought there's no better person to ask uh than you and i, I said you know i was only comfortable doing it if i could do my own you know do it in my way and do it the way that it, it's been and you know that ended up you know kind of testing the limits of birth movies deaths uh uh, uh, back end and you know per article there's a reason why uh, every uh, category gets its own article and sometimes it's broken up into two pieces because we learned that there's only so many images that can be held in a, a single birth movies death article and yep. <laughs> and uh, you know so and we found that out the hard way by having the first uh, installment uh, just completely disappear off the back end when I hit that limit so um, Oh, Jesus. So, uh, yeah, so I it was... It was these in parts, too, so this felt like the way it used to be. Yeah, this felt, this felt very, um, I don't know, it felt very comforting and homey to me when I was like, okay, it's in multiple parts, sweet, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it works out, and that's kind of what I had to do when I had my own Squarespace site. <laughs> um, anyway, just because I couldn't figure out, you know, a way to make it not look shitty in doing it any other way. Um, you know, but the process was exactly the same, um, uh, you know, and, you know, to be upfront about it, they, Birth Movies Death, you know, essentially just agreed to host my site, like, they didn't pay me to do it, but, like, I know that the audience for, for the gift guide is the BMD audience, and I knew that, you know, it was an, ex it was essentially the nudge I needed to just go, well, what are you gonna do, you know, you're just gonna sit around and, you know, play Destiny, or, you know... <laughs> You know, and, and hope that a freelance piece comes in, or are you just going to concentrate on doing, you know, doing this, which everybody wants, so... I don't know, I saw your tweet earlier, you could just direct the next Star Wars movie. Yeah, I could direct the next Star Wars movie. I, I choose not to, though. So. He said you, Lucasfilm could approach me to make the next Star Wars movie, but I'm just going to choose not to. I'm going to I'm gonna stay here and play Destiny. <laughs> I, was, I, was making, I was making fun of Tulsi Gabbard's speech. Yeah. About you could make the next Superman movie. 
that. That yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Tulsi Gabbard was like, "Oh, I choose, you know, not to participate in the next Democratic debate, whether or not, you know, I reach the poll <laughs> quotient or whatever." And I'm just like, "All right, Tulsi." <laughs> I couldn't resist. I was being a smartass. Um, no, it was good. Hey, dude, being a lighthearted, snarky smartass is way better than the majority of the internet. I've, I've, I've been having a rough time the last couple of days with the people on the internet. So, yeah, no. what was that, dude? Oh no! I, sorry, I didn't hear what uh, what Sarah said. Oh, she she said uh, that you have a Kiwi Farms page now. Yeah, I uh, I, I fell in with a bad crowd. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> it could be worse crowd. I'll, I'll just say that you could have uh, upset some DC fanboys or. Oh no! It's the same. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it's the same <laughs> with with, uh, with Twitter I... handles with Twitter handles that have particular people's names in them yeah oh jesus <laughs> but that's not what the show is about no, <laughs> no so that's that, that's cool I, so i was gonna say you know the, the birth movies death thing is awesome because because i love those guys and it you know you had uh, you had hinted that you've got some more things coming down the pike with them too so i'm excited to hear about that yeah yeah i'm working with them on a podcast we'll see if that if that pans out so far, it's looking okay. But, you know, this time of year, everything just slows down and everybody's oh, out and out. And it's like, it's hard to cement things. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I've always liked them. And I've yeah, I've known uh, Tim League, who owns the Alamo Draft House and who's run, uh, who, you know, is the uh, started Birth Movies Death. I've known him since forever. And I've been following that site since its inception. And, you know, it, it definitely, it, you know, when you read the guide, you know, instead of, you know, I'm sure people who read the hol- the this giant 11 part <laughs> holiday gift guide, you know, will see the just the images and nerdery that's on display. But you know, if you actually like read the the uh, the text, you know, it gets pretty uh, uh, loopy and and uh, snarky and and smartassy in there. Um, and that kind of uh, I felt, you know was a similar tone to that site. Not that the site's built itself as as being a holier-than-now kind of site, but, you know, Scott Wampler, who's one of their main voices, is a very smart-ass guy. And yes, uh, is. I love that they got the um, the sexy Thanos in there. Yes, yep, yep, his, his holiday card, yeah. His holiday, that thing, that, holiday that, that, that image has haunted my nightmares <laughs> since the day he posted it. The Thick Daddy Thanos, yeah. Oh my god. Well, it's so funny cuz he, he reached out to me while I was compiling the guide going, "Hey, so, you know, if it wouldn't be too much of an imposition, would you mind?" And I'm like, "Dude, it's already in it. It's already there." It's like, "You don't was, you don't even have to ask." I was, was thinking of making it the header for the page. Oh, you haven't seen the sexy Thanos? No, I don't have your phone over there? No. Oh. I didn't think it was allowed during podcast. Here, look look it up on here while we while we talk. You just go to his Twitter and look at the <laughs> You need to see Sexy Thanos. I'm, I'm guessing if I just Googled Sexy Thanos, that may not end well. You know, you'll get you'll get Scott Wampler's picture. That's that's, that's what... <laughs> Should I just do it that way? That's how I found it the first time. Yep. Not that I was looking. <clears throat> no, anyway, so... Um, you, uh, r- random aside, you, you've kind of touched on a lot of these already, yeah. but do Which you... One? Oh, it's none of those, but it's very similar to that one. No, go, go to the gift guide and find it. You also you could search for thick, T H C C Thanos. 
and yeah. uh, it should probably pop up as the original image that the art's based on. So I was going to say, yeah, you know, you've you've done this a thousand times, um, of course, but you know, this gift code it seems like I don't a know how to work the internet. But do you have a uh, um, any things that jump out at you as like some of the favorite things you found that you like weren't aware of before you started compiling the thing? Um, the funnily enough, the stuff that um that sticks with me are the joke editions that I used to do. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> you know, cause I didn't do it this year just because it didn't, since I was doing it individually as individual posts on birth movies, death, it didn't feel right to do. And then here's the, for the super rich only one, which is usually like buy a dinosaur fossil for $2 million or I always loved those or buy those, you know, the South Korean, you know, missile, your defense system for, you know, $30 million, you know, nuclear sub was in there one year. Um, I think you had a helicopter in there one year too. Yeah. And last year I, I included a, uh, the first time this is right when cameo was born. And so, uh, like nobody really knew what it was. And Wesley Snipes had just signed up and for $500, you can get Wesley Snipes to wish you happy birthday. And so now everybody knows what cameo is. So it wouldn't have made the cut this year, but but last year I thought it was hilarious. It went in last year, but um, uh, but no, I didn't do the joke editions this year, um, just the way the format was. But the stuff that that uh, the one that really jumped out to me was uh, my fr my friend uh, Aaron sent me a uh, an Amazon uh, link to this book that he found um, that it, on the cover of it was just a very respectable kind of looking you fancy cookbook but the entire book was all semen based recipes so <laughs> so the, the the cover was you know this you know kind of gorgeous thing you'd see it like on a grandma's bookshelf you know and it had a good looking food on the cover and but it was it was a legit cookbook that in, incorporated semen in every recipe and so I, 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 that. I was gonna say, I feel like I remember that. I snuck, I snuck that into the book section, and uh, uh, and I don't think that I even called it out in the description, you know. But I made some joke about how I got the book and everything, you know, tastes a little too salty or something, and <laughs> you know, I, I made some sort of joke like that. That that's the stuff that that sticks out with me. The, uh, you know, I'm a physical media guy, and I buy all the, you know, or I used to. I don't don't you know. <laughs> I haven't really uh, bought a whole bunch uh, now. I, I take advantage of the Criterion specials every once in a while, but uh, my physical media is definitely slowed. But you know, that's that that's what I would usually buy. You know, on the Black Friday sales or the holiday sales would be that stuff. That that's um, you know that that are the books that I would I would come across. But again, it's weirdly enough, all that kind of you know bleeds together when I look back on it, and I don't really. I can't think of of one specific thing that I saw was like, where I was like, "Holy shit, I have to have that." And I know I remember I bought some books. I bought a um, a limited edition, like a uh, there was a Ray Harryhausen uh, specialty, like hardcover coffee table book that I I bought one year, um, and uh, and like I looked it up now, and it's like, of course, it's some minor, you know publisher and it was totally out of print and now it's super valuable but uh um yeah i don't know that's the kind of stuff that i uh that sticks out to me you know that and the jokey stuff no of course do, do you do you kind of spend 
the year looking at it, like casually, even if you're not thinking about doing it, or is it all just, okay, now I hunker down and I have to start cobbling this together? Uh, I, I mean, yes, I definitely, th- there have been things that I've seen the week after posting a holiday guide that I then like email to myself and go, don't forget this for next year. Um, uh, yeah, I'll keep an eye out, but really, you know, especially these last couple of years where I have been unsure if I was continuing it or not, uh, um, you know, I, I kind of did most of my research in one big block. This year was a little tough because Think Geek uh, is no longer in business, and that was one of the big places I leaned on. Yeah, they closed their online. They only have the physical store at the North Shore Mall now. That's it? Yeah. What? The online closed. When did that happen? You didn't know about that? No! Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're an offshoot of GameStop, and GameStop's on its way out, too. They got rid of the website? Yeah, they only have the physical stores now, and they're not... There's only, like, one store. Around here. Yeah, we we have a Think Geek store at our local mall. Isn't our store the only one? I think there were two. Why did there, they close the There was a Think Geek store here in Austin at the Barton Creek Mall. I don't know if that exists anymore or not. I it was our favorite place to go because they only they basically carried what you had on your gift guide. It was yeah. great. Yeah, well, it's fun, it's funnily enough, bringing up Think Geek, it does remind me of one other thing that I instantly purchased before I posted the guide to make sure I'd get one. And uh, uh, it is a an entryway rug, but it is the entire opening crawl for, for uh, Star Wars A New Hope. But it's so it's this long rug that, you know, is right at the foot of my front door. Now you open the door and the first thing you see is this long... Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's the opening crawl for Star Wars. So, yeah, it's pretty... They always, pretty I, I, it's, it's a bummer that, you know, whatever business practice that went wrong... Or whatever it was, because I loved Think Geek. Yeah, I mean, there's still. I mean, I, I was very happy to see that that um, even with them kind of out of the picture, at least on a you know a major sc- uh, scale, um, you, that there were still a whole bunch of places. I found a place called Merchoid that has a a ton of stuff, and I linked to them a lot in the guide this year. Um, but yeah, Think Geek was still you know it was still tougher than it should have been. Think Geek was a great one stop shop for. For all that stuff, I mean, I remember in years past, like spending two night, two like two nights just uh, dedicated to Think Geek and like going item by item through all their their uh, categories, starting with the what's new and then what's most popular, and then just going you know uh, up through their apparel section, through their you know jackets and shirts and all that stuff, and like slowly compiling the. Uh, you know the guide, at least uh, those sections, the collectibles and housewares. Uh, yeah, I with, got, my, got my brother um, Skeletor's sword as, <laughs> as a letter opener. Yep, and then he got me uh, the Millennium Falcon pocket watch. Oh, nice. Yeah. Were those both on his guide? The, those had both been on the guide in the past. I saw the the Millennium the um, Skeletor thing was definitely on the guide. Yeah, I remember that. We, we saw yeah. That. I was like, because I, I just started making lists as soon as you would post it. I'd go make an email and go, this is what we're getting for Bob. And this is what we're getting for this person. And, and this, this is what's going on our list. And this is what's going on our list. And we might get doubles of this. So is there anything you've ever regretted putting on there? No. Um, I would I'm... imagine not, but I had to ask in case there was something you're like, oh, yeah, that thing ended up being a mess. No one could get it. Or, 
know, yeah, I mean, like that, that. that happens, and that I, I got I got shit for something I uh, I posted on the guide this year because apparently it sold out within like minutes of me posting it up. Um, not because it was wasn't you know, I, I think it was a limited qu- you know quantity to start with, but um, uh, the one that I got shit for was a Mondo uh, a tiki mug, a Jaws tiki mug that they. Oh, it's so good. And it's great. It has a, a stir that's the the naked you know woman swimming, but you can put the stir in the mouth of the the shark tiki mug like the poster. Yeah, I mean it's really it's a really well designed thing. And when I posted or when I compiled it, um, it was still available when I uh, did a, a a quick check while I was uh, adding in the links and all that stuff post the writing stage uh, and putting it all up on the website. You know, it was st- still available and then. I, within about an hour, I had somebody in my my Twitter going, you know, hey, great gift guide. I can't even get this this thing, and it's been sold out for months. And I'm just like, well, I don't know what to tell you, man, because it was available as of like four hours ago. Yeah, thanks for doing all this work. I'm gonna find one thing and be a dick about it. Yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, I mean, that's the the problem. It's one of the reasons why, you know, the art section is always one that I get nervous about every year because you know the pop culture thing is all built. That whole industry is built on it being limited. You know, none of these these prints are, are you know, they don't just print them on demand. They're, they're all like limited edition. You know, sometimes of fifty, sometimes of three hundred, sometimes you know, a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. And you know, it's real hard to actually have something, you know, an art list that stays the same from the time that I compile it to the time that it posts because stuff just sells out. So. So yeah, it's wild. Yeah, I, I can't wait to get into some of the stuff because uh, we we wrote down some personal favorite things from it. But we'll, we'll get there. But I was gonna say, uh, you know, um, you have a question? Yeah. Go for it. Go. How do you decide what you put on it? Like, is there stuff that I would have thought you would have put on it that wasn't? Ooh, uh, good question. You calling the guy out? Damn. You told me to. No, I know, I know. What is you it? Told- Tell him the things. Let him answer the question right. first. Uh, well, there's a few parameters. First of all, you know, I make a big point in the intro every year to go. This isn't a comprehensive list of everything that's out there. It is still curated by me. So there are going to be blind spots that I have in fandom. I'm not a huge anime fan, for instance. So you're not going to find a lot of anime stuff on the guide. Um, you know, that that kind of thing. So it's like... Uh, everything has to pass a, ooh, I think that's cool test for me. Even if it's something that I'm not really familiar with, like Doctor Who. I'm not a giant Doctor Who fan. Not that I dislike it. I just haven't really been, you know, able to take the plunge into the, you know, the 30 years of, of uh, worth of watching, you know, material that I'd have to do to catch up. Um, you know, but I can still see a sonic screwdriver, you know, universal remote and go, oh, this this I would love this if I was a Doctor Who fan. Oh yeah, so I, I'd you know I'd put I'd put that kind of stuff in the guide. So the first that that is the first step. It's usually um, what do I think is cool or what do I think I would love if I was a fan of that fandom. You know, so so there's that aspect, uh, and then there's one side of it that's just shit that I might not have caught. You know, and just had didn't see and didn't know it existed until after I you know made the call and posted everything up. I mean, that happened, there was something that I was scrolling through, I should have taken a picture of it, um, 
I, I saw something today. There was a because I do do this and do all my research every time I open Facebook. You know, I get all you know all these targeted ads of all these geek geek stuff, and it was one of those targeted ads on Facebook that I I saw that was just like it had some weird you know movie tie-in thing that you know that I'm like, well, if I'd seen that you know three weeks ago, it would have been in the the guide. Um, so those are the two main main things and then this year there was a space component to it that that i had never had before because even uh you know like i said that we i could only do 41 uh items in every story without the story erasing itself um and uh uh on birth movies death so that's why um that's why i kind of limited myself to around 80 items for the two-parters um, and I don't think I quite hit 80 for anything, but, you know, I, I wanted to have a little little room. Um, so there was a, a space consideration that I didn't have last year. I mean, I think this year's guide might have been about a third shorter than last year's, just completely out of uh, uh, space. I just didn't have the, the space that I, I have, you know, I, without breaking things up into three, three parts. And I think I was already stretching my... Uh, my ask for from BMD to to have uh, a couple of two parters in the guide this year. Oh, it was great. I mean, it was it was great to see the the individual blurbs for everything. I mean, that's what you always do. But that that to me is the most um thing. The thing that draws me in about is being able to read. It's like you know, I I don't actually know what this is, and I and I've never got my hands on a copy. But I'm going to talk about it anyway because it seems cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's just been my. For good or ill, that's kind of my online voice. It's you know I grew up uh, writing about movies in in a way that you would just you know that's not like Pauline Kael that or Ebert or Siskel and you know where you deconstruct everything and take a very scholarly look at movies. And, you know I I grew up being very conversational and just writing like I would talk to my friends about about movies. So um, that definitely has you know, kind of translated to the holiday gift guide that I do every year. Yeah. Now, has, has there ever been years or maybe this is just a common thing where people buy you stuff off of it to, to either be funny or to be nice? Well, do they go, Oh, I know that you wanted this. So I went ahead and bought it off of your damn guide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are a couple, a couple times that you'll see me go, Hey, and if, you know, man, I would certainly love to have this. And that's pretty much family. Yeah. Knowing, oh, I'm not, I'm not gonna buy this, but I would sure love it if somebody, somebody gives me one. And then I'll, I'll do that, like, I'll do that, like, not thinking about some of the higher end ones too, and going, oh, well, they're never gonna buy me a fourteen hundred dollars statue. But like, it's just in my mind, going, oh man, I would love this four foot tall Pennywise statue that Sideshow has. You know, we all, oh god, Sideshow okay. is the one I always am terrified of looking at because I'm like, shit, I'm gonna find something I want really bad. Yeah, and you're gonna have to do a layaway. It's the only way you can afford those things. Oh um, God! But Sarah, what what did I miss? What 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 do you, did you think I should have had on? Do you want to get to them when we hit the individual bits? Or yeah. Any, all right. Well, we'll get to them when we hit the individual bits. So um, I again don't want to put you on the spot because you know you just wrote the thing, but we were gonna go through each of your sections and talk about our favorite things from it. If that's cool. Sure. Let's do it. All right. So we're in Blu-rays, and I picked two. We, we picked basically two from every section. I'm super psyched that my favorite video game movie, Silent Hill, has an incredibly mm -hmm. insane sounding Blu-ray coming out. Is that what we're starting with, is Blu-ray? Right, dude. Uh, you, the, even just what you wrote about it got them all, all excited. The original Silent Hill release 
had so much great crap on it. Like, Christoph Gans put so much time into that crazy mess of movie, and I just want more of it. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think that it, it is the the movie that should be pointed to as kind of a, a an alpha attempt at video game adaptations and how they can work. Because um, I think that he captures the tone and the imagery of the Silent Hill games and translates translates it super well to to you know cinema and it works incredibly well. Um, it's a very faithful adaptation, but it's also its own thing. Only issue is that the movie kind of goes off the rail, you know, and gets expositiony in the last. La- oh, last. it totally does, it, uh, and that's why I just I'm I'm excited for more behind the scenes stuff because watching the way he put his sets together with like the way the cameras it it was like watching like an Alfonso Cuaron behind the scenes like all right this wall's going to open up when the camera turns here and then and like this is dude th- this is like a 30 million dollar movie calm down like you're you're going crazy yeah it's uh yeah it's it's definitely good it's a definitely effective movie and it's my favorite kind of horror movie it's the kind that 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 yes there's jump scares but it really is more concerned about getting the tone right and getting under your skin. And, yeah, and I, 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 I love the, the fact that he want, he ended, he, he said he reached out to do the movie because he was playing the Silent Hill game mm. while making Brotherhood of the Wolf. Oh, and, and that, that tracks, yeah. And he said, he goes, the only thing is, is I told them, if you're going to make this movie, it has to be a woman. Because this story, even though this father is the one looking for his daughter, he goes, I read this very feminine and read this as like, it would be a mother searching for their daughter. And I'm like, dude, this guy put more thought into this game than I did when I was playing it. Like, damn. Yeah. There have been a couple, not not to go on too much of a tangent here, but like some of my, I'm I'm very obsessed with uh, movies that never got made, unmade movies, movies that almost were made and weren't. And there are two big video game movies that that could have been uh that silent hill quality and one of them is uh george romero was gonna do resident evil my uh, copy the- of resident evil 2 because i bought it the first day it came out still has the ad on the front for yeah um, you know enter now to be an extra in george romero's resident evil film I'm like, oh, God. i mean that, that would have been so much better than paul w.s anderson's movie I mean, even if he completely whiffed it it would be it, it would have so much more meat there. Like the the first Resident Evil movie is is hollow and pretty and shiny and and okay, but like it's aliens. It's, yeah, it, it's a it's yeah. aliens and stuck zombies in it. That's fine, I guess. Um, but there's that, and then there's Gore Verbinski's Bioshock, and I've uh, I've read I've read John Logan's script that Verbinski was going to make, and it is incredible. It would have been huge. It was him with all the power and all the 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 political you know uh, currency after making uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and that it was supposed to be his follow up to the last Pirates I think and so he was at the top of his you know power in Hollywood he was gonna make a 200 plus R rated movie with practical sets actually shoot it like the Abyss underwater and and it would have been it, 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 it's a it's a shame that it never happened. That would have been the movie that um, uh, would have made video game adaptations as big as comic book adaptations. In my sure, Verbinski's just a work workhorse, and you know, like there's I, I love 
having a director where you can go, yeah, this guy, this guy, he doesn't always succeed, but his movies are always crazy and ambitious. Like, you know, the, the, the Lone Ranger is not good, but they spent a lot of time on that thing. Like, they were trying. And, and, and I will say it's better than its reputation. I it mean, is way it's, better than its re- I had a lot of fun watching it. I, I went in ready to sharpen my claws on with, with that movie, you know, because I'm... You know, I'm as progressive as the next guy, and having J- Johnny Depp, you know, play Tonto from the get-go, I was like, you know, that that is so ridiculous. But then when I saw that Depp decided to play him as Buster Keaton, I was like, yes. that is the most insane, like, entertaining take on that character that that could have ever possibly been. And like, it's still problematic as casting, no, no doubt. But like, it's actually a, a more nuanced portrayal. It is the best of the crazy post-Pirates Johnny Depp, where he's just trying to figure out what the fuck, you know, <laughs> what the fuck he's, he's going to do, and, and you know, he, he didn't phone it in. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan of that movie. And, and a- I like it I like yeah. it when it goes completely off the rails. Like, yeah. when it when it tries to rein itself in, but you go back and you go, this movie's ridiculous. A character cuts someone's heart out in this goddamn mm-hmm. Disney movie. This yeah. thing is nuts. Yeah. But, um, and also, you know, and then we got uh, the, the, oh God, what's the name of that movie? A Cure for Wellness. Yep. Which is just oh, this is what was stuck in your brain. God damn. Yeah, yeah. No, there there is a lot of. I talked to him uh, a couple of times actually during the publicity for that movie, and and he definitely w- was working out some of his Bioshock uh, oh, uh, I... trauma. Uh, there's some def- definitive Bioshock imagery in there. But what's oh, great? I, I loved that movie to death, and I, I remember telling people, I go, this movie is going to affect you, man. Like you're you're not you're not gonna like I got to the third act of that thing and went this is horrifying and disgusting and also wow th- this would have been a great tentpole movie for Vincent Price if this had been made in like the sixties or the seventies yeah. like the movie just kind of goes and we're this movie now he, he take it or leave it Gore Verbinski is a prestige director that uh, makes his movies look amazing and isn't afraid to turn them into B movie and that is. You know, that is the tone that Bioshock needed, and I think that uh, that that will forever be the movie that uh, that got away in my in my view of of the recent uh, uh, almost maids. That's awesome, and then and then mine is the Haunting of Hill House is the other one because that has been purchased for me for Christmas, and oh, I cannot wait to just dig more into that goddamn so show. Like how you look yeah. Oh. Even though we were just yeah. in the I cannot wait. I don't know if you've got a chance to to dig into it at all, or if you. I haven't. Know. I haven't seen the discs yet. No, no, oh. no. If they're all apparently there's extended episodes, and I just that show broke me, and I want more now. Yeah, no, for sure. Flanagan knows what he's doing, and I think that this uh, uh, format, specifically this kind of long form Netflix format, he is super suited for, and. Because it, it, the the brilliance of that show is is manifold. Most of its character work is without character. N- none of it matters. But just the technical aspects, the the way he he uh, made a haunted house movie where there were ghosts present at all times, even if they they weren't in the scene. You know, things like that are super smart, and um, uh, that that's what I'm actually really looking forward to when I dive back into that that series. Um, is you know because I, I'm sure there's there's stuff I I missed because I wasn't I was focused on the people in the foreground and weren't, wasn't looking in the far back corner to see the the ghost standing there you know that kind of thing. And I'm cool they waited you know because apparently it's got a ton of behind the scenes stuff on it. And I love I love how engaging he is 
with the audience on Twitter because he would instead of like showing his hand and everything, he just he would answer people and they go, "Hey, is this a ghost here?" And he'd go, "Look closer. You're looking in the wrong place." And I'm like, "This guy's <laughs> awesome." Yeah. Like he's just um, so Sarah. What are yours? Uh, for the Lorries, I said the toys that made us. The was it the whole first? The Netflix show, yeah, the first two seasons. That's an awesome show. I love looking back at like the toys from when I was a kid. So anything like that is. We've watched a bunch of episodes of it. Yeah, and that, that those stories behind it are all insane. It's not just nostalgia. It's like holy crap, this is like a little mini business school on how how the toy industry worked back then. Yeah. Yeah, the the Mattel ones. The when they show the old commercials and stuff. Oh, oh my god! Like we I, even find them on like YouTube sometimes. I wish commercials, you know, weren't so, like I would love if old TV show Blu-rays and DVDs did that more. Like Sarah's got a lot of the I Love Lucy show, and because they stopped running the Philip Morris ads, because that show was brought to you by a friggin' cigarette company. They stopped showing them after a while on TV, but the Blu-rays um, saved them and showed them to you. Like, is, here's Lucille Ball for Philip Morris. And you're like, this is insane. <laughs> but but amazing. I think they need to release, like, a DVD full of, like, old commercials. Yeah, I know that there are some companies that used to do that, but uh, but I, I don't know if, like, they ran into, like, rights issues or if all those are in public domain or whatnot but like those are the joy of me like looking back at like old vhs's that my you know that my mom and dad made we talked about this last time i was on 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 your podcast you know where we we had vhs that were recorded off of tv and uh and like i have one that was uh a disney special that i really loved i think it was the 30th anniversary of disney it was a special of uh, disneyland It it was a celebration of disneyland and uh, uh, Drew Barrymore uh, hosted it with Harry Anderson, and Drew Barrymore is like you know Firestarter age Drew Barrymore, and like everybody's like the the Pointer Sisters come in and like do the Neutron dance, but all the like down Main Street, but all the uh, uh, it's the new Tron dance, and all the people were dressed as characters from Tron dancing down the down Main Street USA and like it is the greatest thing but the coolest thing about it to me is is not only that you know this I had this special that I remember watching a lot as a kid that's super of its time uh, but also all the commercials are there and even the the crappy like laundry commercials or whatever that I would have been bored by as a, as a kid. Snuggle ones. Oh yeah. my god. It's like you know it's weird, weirdly nostalgic looking back at, at, at that stuff. Yes I saw a lot of my they're all up in our attic actually my VHS cartoons that my dad taped and this was actually not off a cartoon, but it was when I taped a Save by the Bell special. Uh-huh. Like the uh-huh. thing where they went to Hawaii, maybe. And for some reason, the commercial for the Cabbage Patch Kid McDonald's toys sticks in my head when they're ice skating with Ronald McDonald. That one. That was on like six of my VHS tapes when I was little. That ad was horrifying. It was heart wrenching. Sticks in my Speaking of that, Eric, as a quick aside, did you did you get a chance to get your hands on any of the McDonald's um, retro toys that came out? No, I, I uh, unfortunately did not. I, I we got all but four of them. We had family on the movie. They only did them for like six days. They yeah. had the freaking McNuggets in the Halloween costumes, man. We gotta go through our box so I can go on. It was nuts. Yeah, no, I, I would have been psyched for that. I would have been psyched for the transforming uh, got those ones. Yeah, those are the ones that I remember the the most uh, uh, nostalgically from. Oh yeah, 
a McDonald's era. What's your other uh, movie? And then Wizard of Oz on 4K. So I'm curious how you can make that even look even better. Eric, did you catch the 3D re-release of The Wizard of Oz when it was in theaters? I did not, no. Sarah and I went and saw it, and I I'm like, I got burnt out on 3D really quick because <laughs> people weren't using it well. It, that was like watching that movie for the first time. It, it was all depth. They just added depth everywhere. It was like watching multiple scrolling backgrounds on the Super Nintendo for the first time. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, Unfriggin' believable. That's why when she was like, they have a 4K Wizard of Oz, I'm like, we have to see this. Because that, that movie... You need a 4K TV, don't you? Ah, yeah, you do. You yeah. Do. yeah, I mean, those are getting ridiculously uh, inexpensive now, though. Yeah, and they that... are. We saw that on Black Friday. Holy crap. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, no, the... I only uh, splurged on, on three things from... Uh, from the pretty much anything in the guide this year, but it was it was uh, uh, I got I took advantage of the Black Friday deal on the aliens or the alien 4K. Yeah. Um, and that that looks incredible. There was a uh, uh, they 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 marked down the Shining 4K to like 12 bucks, and I grabbed that and uh, um, and that looked incredible. And then my my buddy Dave Yurovesky directed a movie called Brightburn, so I I bought that on 4K too when it was like 10 bucks. No. Now, I don't think we talked about this on our show, but a real quick thing, because I get a lot of hate for liking Brightburn. You should. Brightburn's awesome. Yeah, right? And that's people are like, oh, come on. You, you're, you, you know, how, and I'm like, how can you be a Superman fan and say you like Brightburn? I'm like, because I like the idea of someone making a Superman movie and saying, what if Superman was a slasher villain and mm-hmm. just making that movie? Like, I'm sitting there going, this is great. This would have been a trauma movie, you know, forever ago. And instead, they're doing it completely serious, and I love it. Yeah, and they're, you know, you had, uh, you know, James Gunn kind of adding his his eye behind the scenes. And, and everyone in it showed up to play. I loved it. And it knew what kind of movie it wanted to be. And, like, it it, it was gruesome, but it didn't it didn't go as overboard as it, as it could have. And I say this, you know, knowing full well. You know that it has uh, like two of the most disturbing horror images, you know, of the year—the glass in the eye and the. It does uh, the, the, the car crash thing. I went, wow, they're not fucking around. All mm-hmm. right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, it's a small movie. It's not. It's not meant to be a a giant, you know, Superman-sized movie, you know. But it's a small horror movie, and everybody delivered. And it looked great, and you know, again, I'm biased. My buddy Dave directed it, but you know, if I didn't like it, I just wouldn't mention it <laughs> so i would have been like oh good job dave and then you know and then uh you know that would that would have been that nice dude so now on to art um i i need that gremlins blacklight bar print mm. uh, holy shit that that thing looked amazing um i don't know where you found that but that thing's really cool yeah that's on the hero complex yeah yeah that, that thing just looked amazing and then so for because you know, I, I'm I'm in the middle of recording an episode of School of Movies about Jaws. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that you, you know, Jaws is your thing, and Jaws is my thing. But that Jaws: The Departure print, yeah, there was a print just like that. When you talk about every old New England area has that print, 
Yeah. Just like that. They used to hang on the wall in my um, TV room in my house because this is my grandparents' house. And I saw that and I'm like, it's great because you can put it up and only people that really know are going to get it. They're going to go, oh, that's a beautiful, nice piece of... Yeah, that's the Orca. Yeah. <laughs> I need it. I need it now. And I'm yeah. getting it. Yeah, that was uh, by a guy named J.C. Richard. And he's he's a guy that I put in the guide a lot over the years. You know, I just like his eye. He, he makes He makes good stuff. Oh, it was, it was beautiful. And Sarah, what do you got? Uh, I like the Dark Crystal poster. I thought it was really pretty with the black and then the purple. I love purple. So I was like, oh, purple. I like it. I can't wait to sit her down and have her watch the whole Dark Crystal show. Cause yeah. I haven't watched the movie. I haven't watched that in ages. Yeah. Well, it's a prequel. The new show's a prequel, so... You can, you can and then play. I back him up with that Jaws print because that is really beautiful, and I want it on the wall too. So. Oh, you married right. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so music is always a tough one, but um, I, I put the Watchmen soundtrack because holy shit. Oh, yeah. oh, you had books next? Did I skip books? No books. I don't think I skip books. No, we'll get. But yeah, that that watch. We'll go to music right now. That Watchmen soundtrack. Damn. I have not watched this week's episode yet, but that show is consistently the best thing I've ever watched on TV. Yeah, oh man, this this week's episode is right up there. It, it hasn't hit a, a sour note once. And uh, the, the Minority Report soundtrack, because I was talking about with the School of Movies people about this this time period and John Williams scoring with the AI Minority Report and um, War of the Worlds. He just went in so many different odd places and it worked so well. Yeah, AI in particular, we we spent a lot of time talking about this on the last podcast too. But, but you know, I love that movie and that that uh, that score is, you know, it, it's it, what's interesting to me about that score is that it it is, it, it it taps a lot of what he usually brings to to a Spielberg stuff. It's very there's the emotional stuff, the da- David's you know theme with his mother and. And all that stuff, but then there's, you know, he goes into some weird places, just like the movie, because this, the movie itself isn't a purely Spielberg movie. It's it's got you know DNA of Kubrick in it, and you can feel that you know Williams uh, acknowledges that in, in his scoring. So he he made a score that's not exactly like uh, his usual Spielberg collaboration stuff. Yeah, and I love that it showed. You know, you can go back and listen to the Jaws score or listen to the Indiana Jones scores. And it's great to see that Williams, he kept themes very familiar throughout yeah. things, but he showed he, he matured with the subject matter because minority report and AI are a very different type of sci-fi from ET. Yeah. But they have the same type of themes in them too. And I, I, I like that about those. Um, so yeah, Sarah, what were yours? Could you do your second one? Minority report? Yeah. Minority report. Yeah. First music, I had Frozen 2, because I actually do have that soundtrack. <laughs> and I like it. I haven't seen the movie yet, and I know you had said, Bob said in his, his brother in his review, said that the, the soundtrack makes more sense and is more powerful when you see it in the movie. Because like I said to him, I listened to it, and I was like, oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. I like Frozen 1 soundtrack better. Like, there, there was more songs in Frozen 1, and they weren't as dark. The Frozen 2 songs are very dark, and I can see what what Bob is saying. It it seems like when you see the scenes they're in, you'll get it full circle. Whereas, like, it's awesome music. I love Adina Menzel, so of course I love it. But I was just like, I was very underwhelmed. I was like, there's no new Let It Go. 
Yeah. Which a lot of people are thankful for. <laughs> I going to say, your parents have a little girl, so I, uh, I figure that... Uh, I, I'm, I'm shocked that you would actually suggest the Frozen 2. <laughs> well, it's funny. We, we, we've seen Adina Menzel in concert a couple times since she did that movie, and I love her approach to doing Let It Go because she does it because there's kids there, but she'll always get halfway through the song and then like stick Give It Away by the Red Hot Chili Peppers in the middle or something just to like <laughs> give herself a break. <laughs> I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> Since I have to do this, <laughs> do it my way. And what's your other one? Um, the Stranger Things. Season three. Season oh, God. Three. Yeah. I don't have any of the soundtracks, but I love the 80s. Like, yeah. I love the 80s. I love the 80s. The 80s is normally what I listen to on Sirius Radio when I'm not listening to Christmas music. <laughs> December. The other nine. Wait months. until you hear the Watchmen soundtrack. The other eleven months of the year is usually days, the seventies or the nineties. Usually, it starts at the eighties. So I'm, I want to look into the soundtrack more. You sure. you must you must have loved the uh, Wonder Woman eighty four trailer that just dropped. She hasn't seen, seen it yet. I've been I've been I've been so giddily waiting to show it to her. Oh man, Blue Monday all over that trailer. That trailer was so good. <laughs> You'll see. Okay. <laughs> I'm um, so. But also, I was I was intrigued by the Harry Potter three. What was the the John Williams scores? Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. I didn't. That was another one that piqued my interest too. There was like a three way thing going there. Yeah, his uh, it was great that John Williams came, but he came back for the Here's last. Here's a question for you. Whoa, damn. Him, not you. You're still there too, right, Eric? I'm here. All right, cool. Just check. Have you ever put on any of your gift guides any year a John Williams like in the music section compilation? Yeah. Yeah. No, there was one year that they they released a a, a CD set that was like three or four discs, and it was all um, the Spielberg yeah, she, collaboration. It was like the Spielberg Williams collaboration. Yeah, she got it for me. I was looking for Last year, I think it was last year. I got him one, and there was a couple different ones that I came across on Amazon. And yeah. I was like, kind of like, but they didn't all have all the same songs. Some of them were missing one or two, and I'm like, well, those are ones that he wants. This one has it, but <laughs> that one has it, but not those. So I was like, I had to do a lot of like research. No, you did it. great. I walk around work with my wireless headset on, <laughs> and people are like, why do you have such a big smile on your face? He goes, because I'm in Jurassic Park now, right, man. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. I'm the part of the slave children from, from Temple. Right, yeah, no, yeah, the slave yeah. children are getting... That's what you need to do is walk into a meeting with your headphones on with, like, the best, like, the Superman soundtrack or something. I didn't, like... I should you, do that. Amp you up. Dude, we need soundtracks, Eric. You know what I used to do when I when I uh, I flew? It made it right at the beginning of... Ain't it cool? Really, kind of taking off, and we start. I started doing sad visits and and stuff for them, and I would travel a lot for it. And uh, this is back in the very early iPod days. It, it was the that I first started doing this anyway. Um, and uh, I, I would queue up the Superman theme right when we started taxiing to take off. Like you, you know how there's that point when you're on a plane where you're just sitting on the uh, on the tarmac. And then you're like, okay, we're cleared. And then there's that slow build, slow build oh, and then yeah. theme. And then you take off. And I don't, I'm sure it's not intentional at all, but I, I discovered, like, oh, I'm going to listen to the Superman theme. You know, we're flying, haha, funny, funny. But I discovered that for whatever reason, the timing from when the plane starts moving and I would queue it up to the time where it goes, bum, ba da. It was right when you like take off into the air and like gave me this weird geek vertigo. And I made it kind of my. My thing that I would do for 
for many years when I would take off on an airplane. I totally have to do that because I have terrible anxiety with flying. So this is going to be great. Do it. Um, speak, similar to that, I don't know if this somehow this seems like it came up the last time I talked to you, but if it didn't, I'll tell it. The very first time I went on the ride, Superman at Six Flags in New England. There's a big roller coaster called Superman, and it's called Mysterio now, I think. And it it's insane. It's just a big, long drop, crazy coaster. And yeah. I went with my buddies and went on it. And my buddy Jeremy sat down next to me, and he's such a freaking troublemaker. And this was like a year after Lord of the Rings came out. So he's sitting next to me, and he's the one that like amped me up to go on. And so we start, you know, taxiing. And he turns to me and goes, hey, uh, Chip, I just want to let you know I've never actually been on this ride. And I was like, Jeremy, you uh, you just talked me into going on here. He goes, I know, I'm terrified. And he's sitting there looking forward, and he goes, da-na-na, dun-dun-dun. Like, Jeremy, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> da-na-na, dun-dun-dun. They did that the whole way up. And then we got to the top, and we're about to go down. And he turns to me and goes, we're going to die. <laughs> And it's stuck in my head forever that I can't go on a roller coaster without thinking of the Urukai theme. And yeah, well, perfect. Rings. So what's next? Did you finish yours? Yeah. All right. So housewares. You know what? I'm just gonna geek out. The BB-8 pizza cutter. I have to have that in my life. I thought that was pretty fun. Cool. I have to I have it in my life. I had to put it on my list, but I thought that was pretty freaking cool. And the Overlook Hotel doormat, even though. The Jaws doormat is more up my alley, but the Overlook Hotel doormat is so damn on brand. Totally. Yeah. It, and it's a complete doormat. I love the Jaws doormat, but it, I would have actually liked it more if they didn't do the... Uh, the bite? The, the bite out of it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, what about you? What do you got? Um, I had the I love my asshole kids oven mitt because <laughs> I do, in fact, love my asshole kids. <laughs> Yeah. Those oven mitts are incredible. We saw the, at the Hallmark stores around here, they sell them. And oh, Sarah no. got me one for my birthday that's a person with, like, multiple arms flopping around at a grill. And it said, I'm going to feed all you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's awesome. Why grills to go with the tactical apron? Yeah, I have a tactical grilling apron that my Can brother got me from Alex Sinky. Way off. Can you he Alex? was here when I wore it the first time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because my kids, I love them. They're one in four, and I love them. They're the sweetest little things, but they're also the biggest assholes. Well, yeah, I think like I... why this podcast was an hour and a half late. Oh, yeah, well, they... Like, they know when we have something important to do, they're not going to sleep. Ah. Well, it's probably my fault, so I sat in the driveway on my phone while she napped, because I was busy doing stuff. What else you got? It was pouring in my like the my house, my rules, my coffee. Oh yeah, that's me. Oh yeah. Like my daughter knows we don't do anything in the morning until mommy has her coffee. Yeah. And I've been told like we we're on our way to the zoo one day. It was late in the afternoon, and I said, "Mommy hasn't had her coffee for today. I gotta go to the coffee. Coffee's bad." <laughs> the hell it is, kid. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I really wish that they would have had a uh, 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 the exact one that's in Knives Out. Um, I haven't. About- Knives Out, so I don't know the joke. I just like the coffee. When you see Knives Out, you'll you'll know exactly why that that coffee cup is in a. a super- Thankfully, it's screener season. Mm-hmm. You know someone. <clears throat> That's all I'm gonna say. Oh, your dad? Do you like it? Your dad's always meza meza with movies. At least he's not the kind of person who's like, I don't like he it. He because- loved the lobster. He did love the lobster, and I and I love him for loving the lobster. 
I, I saw The Lobster because my father-in-law was like, you have to see this movie, and I watched it with him, and I'm like, I love this, but this is some uncomfortable-ass shit to be watching with your father-in-law. <laughs> yep, well, at least, you know, at least got some good taste. I mean, he it's not... Father Drive and The Lobster are, like, his two favorite movies, and I, I love uh, it. Yeah, well, that's... Uh, most most father-in-laws will be like, I don't know, you love, like Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man? Right, or, right, exactly. Like, no, and, and it's Jack it's, Ryan. It's, I can't wait to see Knives Out. <laughs> hey, oh, so apparel. Um, I must have the Hans Gruber shirt. Oh, yeah, that's so it good. It says it's not Christmas until um, Hans Gruber yes! falls off Nakatomi Plaza. I like that Plaza. one, too. That was, like, number three. If I had a third one, that would have been the third and, one. And the Krampus shirt, because that movie does not get the love it deserves. Oh, it's so good. Neither does Godzilla King of the Monsters, for that matter. I don't know what bad, like, bet that that guy lost, but people just don't seem to show up for his shit. Yeah, Mike Doherty knows what he's doing, though. I mean, trick or treat. I mean, all, all this this stuff. He's, That's what I mean. <laughs> he knows he knows the shit. Uh, I I visited the set of Krampus. I don't know if you know that, but I told me, yeah, yeah. They shot they shot in uh, Wellington. Uh, uh, New Zealand, and I, I just honestly, I, I used to go there for like vacation because um, I, I started going there for Lord of the Weren't Rings. In was it Lord of the Rings films or the Hobbit films or both? Both, both. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I went when they were doing reshoots for um, Return of the King in 2003, and uh, essentially that whole summer leading up to release. In 2003, they shot for like four months of uh, filling in stuff, reshooting scenes, all, all this crazy things. And I, I uh, Peter Jackson was a big fan of Ain't It Cool News, um, yep. and he knew my work from there. And I just happened to see, like, it must have been March of 2003. I somebody uh, I had a friend that worked at Weta that like let me know that they were doing pickups and he's like hey it'd be funny if you you know i'm sure that peter would let you on if you asked him so so i uh uh i was like oh well you know that's going to be an expensive plane ticket and for whatever reason air news or not air new zealand it was i think it was Qantas had a had a, a deal where it was like 550 dollars round trip to new zealand and that is incredible price for for that airfare and i'm like you know even poor me could afford that at that point and i'm like holy shit no i can actually make this happen um harry knowles who ran the site had peter's email and he emailed peter and said you know quint wants to go to uh visit you if you if you guys are you know if you would let him come on and, and peter essentially wrote back going yeah we'd love to have him so just uh, let him know that we're not a hundred percent sure, you know, on these dates that we're shooting, it's all dependent on an actor availability and, um, and we might have to push, but you know, you know, if you need to buy your plane tickets right now, at the very least if it comes out, I can give them a tour of Weta. And I was just like, well, that's, you know, a win-win no, no matter what the hell shakes out for me. Um, there, you know, either get to see Lord of the Rings being made or, or um, uh, get a, a personalized tour of Weta by Peter Jackson. So I was just like, hell yeah, I'm in either way. Turned out uh, the timing worked out, and I was there while they shot the uh, all of Orlando Bloom stuff for the reshoots because he had to go off and do Pirates, I think, he was about to do at that point. Pirates of the Caribbean. Maybe my, my timing's a lot. He was about to go do something. And That sounds right, actually. 
Yeah, I think he had just done Troy, and but he he was busy during the main pickups, and so they had like four days or something scheduled, <clears throat> and uh, uh, went out to Wellington. Completely fell in love with New Zealand. Completely fell in love with Wellington. Um, that trip was incredible, anyway, because it was um, they were doing. Peter was working on the uh, Two Towers extended edition uh, two, and like the first time that I saw him, his assistant brought me to the room where Howard Shore and Peter were uh, doing the final like sound mix on it. And I was just like, like you never saw me get out of a chair quicker than when Howard Shore walked in the room to go shake his hand. So I was insane. So uh, this is a big, crazy tangent, but because of all this stuff in my time there, um, you know, I ended up coming back for the bulk of the reshoots. Peter invited me back, and I, of course, had to make that happen. So I spent a month watching all the... It was like a Greatest Hits compilation of all of the, the people you love in Lord of the Rings because they were grabbing Christopher Lee on one day, and they were grabbing, you know, Liv Tyler on another day. And, you know, so it was like they had all the different sets up. And, you know, I, I went to the f- rap party in the streets of Minas Tirith, and, like, I had the most amazing, incredible experience any geek can have. Um, which probably tainted, you know, you know, or it, it not tainted, that's a negative word, but it, it imprinted on me uh, just that love of Wellington. So I, I, I went out there a lot, and one of the times that I was out there was when Krampus was was shooting, and I, I just through Amy Cool again, I've known, I knew Mike, Mike Doherty a little bit, and uh, he said, you know, why don't you come by and do a set visit while you're in town? And they were shooting at Peter's Studios at Stone Street. <laughs> And I went went over there and uh, you know got to to see them work and see Tony Collette work and and uh, smell the farts of the main kid because he was a little rambunctious twelve year old and it made me homesick for my nephews. So that's awesome. Yeah, they, that that was a very long braggy name droppy story. I apologize. No, dude, you're going through the greatest hits of things of yours that I've read. So I'm just geeking out over here and I'm not jealous at all, at all, no, not at all. <laughs> um no it's funny you mentioned tony collette because she's in um she's a in a, she's in a movie that my Definitely. friend is directing or oh. um did you see Ar- did you see arctic we talked about this the last time right i had the guy who wrote arctic on my show yeah no i have not seen arctic and um they they're doing a follow-up it's called crap i'm gonna forget the name of it now but it's um it's a movie about people on the way to Mars, um on like a ship. And yeah, that's it's like Tony Collette and um, God, yeah. Here I am losing my. But anyway, my friend Ryan Morrison wrote and edited Arctic, and he's writing and editing this movie. And um, he's like, "Oh, dude, we we landed Tony Collette," and then he's going through all these names. Like, this is insane. Like, you grew up in the same city as me. This doesn't work. <laughs> But anyway, so on. on I the, have no one to name drop. I, I talked to. You Rima can name drop. You, you met Adina Menzel. I talked to Rima McIntyre. I talked to Anthony Rapp. Yeah, you're That's good. Like chill on a movie set. You watched them filming the history of the invention of lying, you lol. I did. Nice. Can, can <laughs> I can I quickly say that that uh, the apparel section has probably my favorite item in the entire guide? Oh yes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Please stop us. Go ahead. I think it's one of the it's the last item in in the guide and it is you know what it would normally just be a boring replica prop replica it's the uh Indiana Jones jacket um oh, yes yeah. 
it's yeah. a it's a leather jacket that's a replica of, of Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones jacket, which there is no leather jacket that looks like the Indiana Jones jacket, by the way. It it is so distinctive, you know it the instant you see it. It, there's nothing quite like it that that you know whatever and I'm like oh you know when I found it during research somebody suggested I look into it uh, and what's really crazy about this is that that it's actually made by the people that made the original jacket it's made by the same leather company in the UK uh, Wested Leather and it's using their same materials they use so it's it's almost like buying a spare jacket from Raiders of the Lost Ark how and, much is it. It's not crazy. It's like uh, around two hundred and thirty ish U.S. dollars. Um, uh, they also do a Temple of Doom leather jacket, which you just need to see the look I'm giving my wife right now. Yeah, it's one hundred and eighty five pounds. Hey, I can afford these dollars. You can afford a leather jacket. I think I need this jacket. I, I think I'm so used to not recognizing things that are expensive that I want that I think I just glanced right past it. Yeah. It is, it is, it is the thing that when I saw it, you know, I have a few, during the process of researching the holiday guide, it's always like, well, of course this has to go in, of course this has to go in, this is a maybe, this is a maybe, and there's always that one or two, those one or two items where I see it and I instantly go, yes, it's like, this is perfect, I can't wait, this isn't something that people that would normally just come across, if, you know, it's not something you'd find on the... The, you know, I bought this off of Amazon. I'm going to scroll through the am- other people who bought similar items thing. You're never going to find you find this that way. And, you know, finding something like that, you know, uh, you, it, it's always kind of a eureka moment during the guide. Where I'm like, OK, maybe this year I'm not going to drop the ball. <laughs> oh, that that sounds so freaking cool. Oh, man, I want it so bad. <laughs> tell Santa Bob. <laughs> yes, I'll tell Santa, Santa Movie Bob. Santa <laughs> Movie Bob will make it show up. So for me, for apparel, I like the Game Boy Watch. I thought that was pretty cool. Right? I thought it was pretty funky. And then I like the Ghostbusters sweater. Yeah. I thought that was very festive. I hope that that came in, like, ladies' sizes. Because a lot of the apparel stuff doesn't really come in ladies' sizes. Yeah, no, I mean, that is... That that is something that I I have to think about. And uh, this year is not not as accessible. In In the past, I've tried to find... Um, you know, have more space for, you know, uh, uh, you know, female, you know, apparel, because it's different. It's made, it's made different. You know, guys' clothes are made for, for different shapes than, than girls' clothes. It's, it's, it is definitely the, the, uh, the tougher guy. And I, I don't think I did a great job this year of, of finding too many, uh, items for both genders. That's all right. I mean, I could wear it a small, it probably fit me. But, but you're right. There's some. There's something about the color scheme and just the way the no ghosts and the wreath. Yes. That. It's. Uh, yes. It's very festive. Yeah. They, I, I actually like that whole line of um, uh, of ugly Christmas sweaters. They're made by a company called Numskull. Um, yeah. They did like the a Rocky one and who you know who makes a Rocky Christmas sweater, but those are like actually like hand hand knit sweaters. Unlike you know most ugly Christmas stuff that you find isn't. Like the knitted versions, it's gonna be you know a print on a solid thing. There's there's you know you, if you're gonna do an ugly Christmas sweater, do a real one. Yeah, they made a really great Superman one that I have, that uh, that I just love. Yeah. It on his gift guide? No, that was last year, I think. Or two Didn't years he ago. have on the gift guide one year and like the rich section, the the proton pack? Oh yeah. Yeah. The custom made proton pack. My friend Alex has one. Panos. Alex Panos has one. 
Because he's one of the North Shore Ghostbusters. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was another one that was in the, like, Every so often I go back and check how much it is, see if I can afford it yet for you. <laughs> um, you know, and definitely, you know, I missed it on mine, but the, the Superman bathrobe, I must have that as uh, well. Yeah, no, so, it, uh, it definitely, uh, th- those nerdy bathrobes are, are oddly, like, the most dependable thing every year. There's always going to be some new version of a nerdy, like, comfy-looking bathrobe, and that it just looks good on the guide. I don't know too many people that actually use bathrobes, like for real, but like no, you just you just need cool. one. <laughs> it's one of those things you never use it; you just need it. Yeah, it's like I think kids use bathrobes. Like my nephews, I've seen like use bathrobes, but it's like that's you know I, I don't know too many people that actually adults that use it, but maybe it's, I just don't know too many clean adults. I well, know. they're good for going from like a pool to your hotel room at a hotel. Yeah, but then you don't bring your own bathrobe with you because that just seems weird. Yep. <laughs> I, brought, I brought this. What? Mom wore Your mom wore a bathrobe every day? Yeah, she had a Nice. She put a robe on her pajamas extra shower. Nice. Gaming. Yes. I've I've seen Jaws the game in the store and I need to have it. I need to have it Bob now. Bob wears a bathrobe. Yeah, my brother wears a bathrobe. I have the, the Ghostbusters game. I don't know if you ever played that, but that was fantastic. And yes. I must have the Jaws game. You have a red one. If- oh, no. Yeah, and I'm here to tell you, I think I might have told you on your show, but you mentioned the Blockbuster game on this, and I'm so happy you included it, and it is great. Yeah, no, I've, I've had so many people recommend it when I kind of put the call out, you know, too. So, you know, the I love that it's always the caveat of, like, there's a Blockbuster movie trivia, like a Blockbuster video-themed movie trivia game, but, like, for reals, it's actually good and not, <laughs> not a hack. It is really good, and they actually, the company that made it made it to support the last blockbuster and they sell it there. And when I bought it from them and they mailed it to me and it came with the old blockbuster sticker for the price in the front and everything. And I'm like, Oh, this is bringing me back. This is great. Well, you know how we were talking earlier about like, if I've ever like received gifts from sections, if you know, and I say, Oh, sometimes I'll drop in hints for my friends. And if you notice in the jaws board game one, it's like, it's me going, I sure would love to have this. I'm sure. There would be, it'd be, I'll be disappointed if I don't get multiple multiple people buying me this over over holidays. I sure would love to have this. You know that that kind of. In matter of fact, I like I almost bought it uh, Black Friday because I I kind of did the tour uh, of like Best Buy and and Target because they're just across the highway from me, and uh, and I was there at Target and they had twenty five percent off of their board games and one of the board games was the Jaws one. And I almost like pulled the trigger there, but I'm like, no, I just know my luck. This will be the year that that uh, you know somebody like actually pays attention to that, and I actually get the Jaws board game, <laughs> and I, I'm gonna double up on it. And then my my other one is the Friday the Thirteenth game coming out on the Switch because I've wanted to play that since the day I heard about it, and now I can. It is a ridiculously addictive game if you have a group to play with. I don't know how much fun it would be to to play it solo and play it with a whole bunch of random people but it is so fun uh it, i mean listen the, when a game came out it was buggy as hell and like the games would would like quit out and like and crash and it got really frustrating in that first week but once they stabilized it it is it scratches such an 80s slasher horror itch it gets it gets everything so right in it Nice. What about you, Sarah? What do you got for games? I did the Blockbuster game, too, because obviously we played it. And it's a lot of fun, and it's actually difficult. 
having to figure yeah. out which of the three you want to do. The strategy is difficult. Yeah. There's strategy <laughs> to a trivia game. That's new. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, they did a good job. And with it that. has the blockbuster pull. It Sorry. does. It does have the blockbuster pull. Yes. <laughs> they all had a pull. This brings back memories. Yep. We met at Blockbuster, Sarah and I. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and the Pac-Man cabinet, because who doesn't love a good old arcade cabinet? Who doesn't want a full-size Pac-Man cabinet in their house? I do. I do. Yep. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... Yeah, it, me too. If you get one, send get an extra send in my way. Nice. Yeah, those are pretty cool. They've been making a lot of those, and and I enjoy those. Um, I uh, I didn't know I needed it until I saw it for toys and collectibles. But I need the mute mutagen Ninja Turtles prop replica. I I have to have it. It's it's such a simple a simple prop replica. But well, I did three for a lot of them. You jerk. I did three for this one because one of them is something I already have. Okay. Um, and the Necronomicon, because why wouldn't you want the Necronomicon? Well, and and the, Vol the Voltron Lego set, because I own it, and I've seen it built at a Lego store, and it's incredible. Everybody has to have it. Uh, yeah, no, it definitely of all the Lego stuff. You know, there's always a process there where, like, I can make this a whole Lego guide if I wanted to, but I try to, like, narrow it down to a few specific things, and... Um, uh, yeah, the Voltron one was just like the, the easiest no-brainer, just like the year that they made the Ecto-1 Lego. <laughs> I'm just like, or the DeLorean or whatever. It's like, it's the easy no-brainer. Of course, that, that, that's... The, the, the Ecto-1 Ecto and the Firehouse are both sitting above me right ah, now. There you go. Built. Yes, built. Um, for me, I have the Disney Lego train. It goes in front of the. I don't. We don't own it, and I just. I think in the last couple of months realized it was a thing, and it's one that I would love to have, but I have zero spot for it. We yeah. Have, we have like what twenty Lego sets to build that we just don't have space. Yeah, for dude. We build. get we get the Saturn V rocket and. Oh, wow. I have the Steamboat Willie Mickey. I have another castle for the Disney Castle Collection. Yeah. A ship and a bottle you have to finish. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to what you were asking about, like, what makes the cut. I'm a huge Disney Parks nerd, and so when... You, you said, he said that earlier. Yeah, yeah, and so having the... Seeing that, like, I, I love the train at Disneyland. Like, that's that's my, like, if... that That's my, like, mid-afternoon at the height of everybody and the parents and all the kids and the height of the heat. That's what I like to do, is I like to just get on the train. And, uh, yeah, and I'll take it around for, you know, three or four laps and let let the heat die down and and uh you know then go go back in line it's it's so wonderful uh, and you know speaking of the, the disney obsession the uh the haunted mansion book from either last it might have been two three years ago there was a book about like the whole background of that um yeah that ride. and you post about the haunted mansion a lot and i love the you haunted mansion book? Get that yeah you got that book for me and it is just such a great book was it last year all kinds of Disney Park books on the thing. I was just like, I want that one and that, that one. And that oh one, yeah, that there one. was a year where it was like all Disney parks. Yeah. Yeah, there there was. It, it might have been two or three years ago where, but I remember where there was a year where it just it was like every cool like I would click on one book and go, oh, and by the way, there's also five new Disney Park you know things or this here's Walt Disney's letters from when he was at war. Or oh, like, that one! Holy crap! You know, all these crazy. Crazy. There was a really crazy Disney year. I would have thought Haunted Mansion would have been 
uh, have a bigger presence this year because it's the 50th anniversary. But, um, you know, it just, there really honestly was more Haunted Mansion stuff like three or four years ago. Uh, out there was like a plate set that that had like the blueprints of the uh, of the ride on it that was like you know it was I don't know there 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 just didn't seem to be as much haunted mansion stuff. That said, I did still put as much as I could find. There's haunted mansion perfume yep. <laughs> in, in the guide this year. There was a um, uh, the the half box ghost in a jar, which is really cool. I have one of those. Um, yeah, there, there's a few things. We ended up at Disney World for a day with our daughter when she was, what, nine months old? Yeah, it was. And we were down there for a wedding, and I'm like, you know, we have to go to Disney World. We're, we'll say it's for the kid, but it's for us. Uh-huh. And she's like, you know what, I'm going to stay with Ava because I'm afraid the Haunted Mansion is going to freak her out. So I went on the Haunted Mansion by myself. And it was it was very surreal to, like, as an adult, just sit and really look at it. Yeah. Like, it's just unbelievable. It, it is oh, with question the best yeah. dark ride ever made. Yeah, uh, and like I'll, you know, we talked a little bit on the the last podcast about my relationship with my nephews and and how I'm you know it, it's funny that you have me on your parenting podcast and I don't have any kids, but <laughs> it's okay. Remember, it just seemed like the perfect fit. Sarah's like, you can't have him on to talk about the gift guide and have me not be there. I'm like, well, we need an episode of Creating Geeks. Let's like, do it. I don't care which podcast you call it, I'm hijacking it. <laughs> it's perfect. So, and the other toy that I like, because mm. I'm... He was saying something. Were you done with what oh, you were saying? Mm, well, yeah, I was just saying that that I've always loved the Haunted Mansion ride. I've loved it since I was a kid. And I've, like you said, appreciated it on a whole new <laughs> level when you get older. But then there's another level beyond that, which I'm sure you, you know, you'll experience whenever the kids are old enough to... Uh, like track that stuff but like i i went on it with my nephews and insisted that we ride together in the doom buggy and you know that is one of those like when you you hear people talk about oh when i die and my life's flashing flashing before my eyes the 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 memory of going through that ride with them and you know them cuddled up and you know just you know smiling and pointing at stuff and like that to me is like one of my all time, you know, life memories is is sharing that that love of, of something that I've I've had for so many years with them. Yeah, I, I hope that ride never goes anywhere. Like they can, you know, I was talking to the school of movies folks about the Jaws ride. Now you go to Universal now, and you can still see it's Diagon Alley now in Harry Potter, but you can still see like this was the Jaws ride. Why would you do this to me? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this I think at Universal Tokyo. Uh, and yes. I don't, I never got to ride it. I've I I was a California kid. I didn't go to to any of the Florida parks until I was in my like early thirties. So I, I yeah I missed it. The Jaws ride at Orlando was so surreal. Like it it was it was so cheesy, and they knew it, and they just went with it, and it was great. And um, if you if you haven't seen it, there's a great video on YouTube of the last ride. Mm-hmm. and they got like people won a lottery to be the last fans that got to go on the ride and so they're saying all the whole spiel along with the person riding it and it's just like this is awesome like because yeah. it, it, it's just it's basically a hard pg-13 jungle cruise ride that's all mm-hmm. it really is you know <laughs> it's a jungle cruise ride with danger and and i loved that about it awesome or Sarah, go ahead so the other one I had for the toys was because I'm sadistic as all hell and 
have a soft spot for Jack in the Boxes for God who knows why, but the It Pennywise Jack in the Box, that thing is badass, and I would love to have that. It is so disturbing. Like it almost... I would so hand it to people to scare the fuck out of them. It would, I almost wish that the, the box looked like a reg- traditional Jack in the Box instead of being kind of branded with the Pennywise stuff and then having that crazy, awful clown monster that they built inside of it to be I wonder what music right. they have for it. Oh, yeah, what music do you think it plays? Um, it, I don't know. I don't know. If they were smart, they would put in, like, that kind of, you know, circusy music from the score, you know, oh, but, like, the, the, the ding, 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 you know, version of it. Oh man! I, I but I've always had a soft. I just wish I just wish it popped out and it was just Pennywise doing that weird ass fixed camera on his head tracking dance from the oh, first exactly. movie that messed me up so bad. I'm like this movie was disturbing already. I never want to see that again. <laughs> <laughs> we need to see the second one. We still yeah we still have to see the second Does Bob one. Get in that first screener. No idea. We're not supposed to uh, talk oh, about the screeners. Ah, earlier. Uh, Definitely not submitting that one for awards consideration. So you might have no, to. No, but I just want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a completist, damn it. It, it. it would sound as though that everybody has a problem adapting the second half of that, well, the, the adult half of that book. Yeah, it's not nearly as good as the first first. The half. first one is so good. Anyway, uh, we have books. I'll let you start with books this time. So, books, you like my first one, is the Disney Never Made. That sounds fascinating. For sure. Yeah, that that's, um, for people listening who, who might not know, that, that book is all about the attractions and parks and lands that they were going to make that they never did. It's all stuff that went through some sort of, like, rides and you know, little corners of the park that they had floated and maybe even developed on and just never made. Um, uh, but I think they also fold in, like, some of the Disney movie stuff because I know they talk about the Roger Rabbit sequel that never never uh, got made. Yeah. yeah, no, that's interesting. It's fascinating. Bob told us about, like, there was, like, a haunted Disney park that never happened. Or really? something. Do you remember that? Does that sound familiar? It was, like, a creepypasta. Not, not to me, but like that's no. Awesome. I think that's the Banksy thing. Banksy like took over an old amusement park and turned it into like a messed up version of Disney World. That's it. As an art piece, well, yeah. yeah. It's funny we talked about unmade movies uh, before. I remember right when I first started becoming obsessed with that stuff. I was asking Barry, like I'd, any event that I would go to or or party in Hollywood or whatever. Not that I'm invited to Hollywood parties, but like. You know, the few occasions where I found myself there while I was working, like, I would ask, you know, writers and directors and producers, like, what are the best unmade movies? And I remember at one of these, I talked to a guy named Roger Avery, who uh, co-wrote Pulp Fiction with Quentin. Yeah, Jackson. Roger Avery. The, uh, um, and he also wrote Silent Hill, I think. Yes, and he directed... Um, Killing Zoe. Yeah. Killing Zoe, and there was that that teen one that I loved, but it messed me up because I saw oh. it young. A rule, rules of Attraction. Oh, I love that movie so much, and I was I was like seventeen when that came out, and I watched it, and I'm like, oh, this is making me deal with feelings I didn't want to have today. Oh no, it'll be a whole new thing. I don't want to spin off to another. Wait, I got to visit that set. I I was on Rules of Attraction for two days, and I'll tell you 
some some fun stories about that. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to we'll we'll just have to catch up again. <laughs> yeah, do it as, so, as long as as long as you like doing this, dude. I love having you on. You're a you're. Dude, I just we'll geek out the whole time. It's great. Do the name dropping episode of like all, all my yeah, uh, but oh, go ahead. Sorry, what was that? My other book was the Julie Andrews whole book because I read her first one, so I read. Oh, nice. I love Julie Andrews. She's my celebrity grandmother. <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah, no, she's great. Um, I but, have to meet uh, her before one of us dies. Yeah, no, that yeah, that that, that would be a, a a bucket list goal for me too. I, I uh, saw Dick Van Dyke at one of the Disney conventions. He was doing like a signing, and and uh, uh, you know, I if I was ever going to pay somebody a hundred bucks for their autograph, it would be Dick Van Dyke. But uh, but I, I, I passed, which I'm sure I'll regret whenever he, he leaves us. But um, uh, but very quickly going back, uh, talking about Disneyland, the I talked to Roger Avery at this party, and and he I brought up this whole concept of never made movies, and he was like, well, you know what the best one is, uh, and I'm like, no, what's that? And he's like, in the year that Disneyland opened, Alfred Hitchcock was discussing with Walt Disney about using the park as the location of one of his thrillers. And it was going to be a Jimmy Stewart movie that was set at Disneyland the year that it opened. Uh, and it was somebody gets murdered in the park and the authorities think it's Jimmy Stewart and Jimmy Stewart. Um, essentially it, the whole movie takes place at Disneyland with Jimmy Stewart, avoiding the authorities uh, trying to clear his name. And I was just like, get get the hell out of here. And uh, apparently that was killed very early on when Disney, of course, was like, was like, no, we're not going to have any murder associated with, with this park. Um, but it was something that was floated and something that, that Hitchcock, you know, apparently worked on. And then that became Beverly Hills Cop 3. Yes. The, the, <laughs> the very memorable Beverly Hills Cop 3, which actually shot at my, my childhood theme park of... Uh, of great America. It was in, yep. yep. Uh, I remember the year that it was shot there. Matter of fact, I think I might've even, uh, I don't think I saw any, any shooting there, but what they used to do because Paramount bought it, uh, it used to be a Marriott owned, I think the theme park, and then Paramount bought it and they reskinned everything. And there was like, suddenly the new roller coaster was like the top gun roller coaster. Yep. And, the, and the queue was like had you know the highway to the danger zone blasting the whole time and and they would have like prop cars and the Wayne's World car was there for a, a period of time it was like part part of it looked like Planet Hollywood and, and I think one year they even brought out um, Paul Hogan completely dressed up as Crocodile Dundee and uh, my childhood memory is it was him but I'm sure it must have like for real been a um, like an impersonator that just looked like him but like childhood me like met crocodile dundee at that park i mean he might have just been there selling subarus could be he was he was dressed up as crocodile dundee so whatever it was <laughs> he he had the the alligator jacket and uh, or, or making elijah wood smoke an entire pack of cigars in flipper uh, as you do <laughs> Fuck Frodo. Gotta so, write so my books i need the entire series of they drew as they pleased because i didn't know this existed man they're great yeah um that's way up my alley and then i it, it's a toss-up between that jaws book from the first section and uh the halloween one because mm-hmm. i have a very big soft spot for halloween um yeah. well yeah and that halloween one's super duper 
um, detailed and, and involved. It's that's the one that takes a look at like all the mythos from the intent of the original to like all the crazy thorn crap that they jammed into the sequels. And yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of uh, the end all be all of it right now. Although it's weird that they put it out now, considering we got this whole new trilogy. <laughs> Halloween yeah, trilogy. it's nuts, right? Like, who, who would have known the guy that directed Pineapple Express would save the Halloween franchise? Yeah, and then make make uh, make three of them. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, and it, it's funny because you know I I keep forgetting too. He also did um, Stronger, and I loved that movie. And I remember like being from around here and living through the marathon bombing thing and going, okay, we get that Mark Wahlberg movie, fine, whatever. You made up a character, I don't care. Stronger, I watched it. I'm like, this is a great movie. Who did this? Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I guess he makes good movie. Like, I'm not. I liked I've liked all of his movies, but it's like this is a different level. It's like yeah, I'm just gonna do Halloween. And, and he does it, and he does it well. Or at least he did the first one well. We'll see how he does the next couple. Um, yeah, no, that that Jaws book is is super up there for me, obviously as well, because it's uh, that's the one that's written by uh, Joe Alves, who was the production designer on Jaws, and so it has all of his storyboards and like all of his like onset notes and you know all, all the minutia of that there, there was a, a great book i'm sure you have it called memories from martha's vineyard yeah that I put on my list m- multiple times it's one of those books that's so good that i like i think i put it on my list like three or four years in a row just like i did uh, uh rinsler's making of star wars books because they're just so good and i'm like no matter what these are amazing gifts if, if somebody doesn't have them you know these are the the best like movie movie how movies are made in depth behind the scenes look look at stuff yeah that's awesome it feels like that that this jaws book will be a good uh, compliment to the martha's vineyard one yeah well dude that we, we did an exhaustive dig through of your gift guide so yeah, um, it shows you how big the guide is yes I, I really appreciate it um and i was gonna say even though we just plugged your gift guide for almost two hours straight anything else you want to leave the the wonderful people in the internet with no, just go uh, go check it out if you haven't seen it already. They live on uh, Birth Movies Death. And uh, the easiest way to, to get to them all in, in a group is probably to go to my Twitter page. It's just pinned Twitter. tweet. Yeah, to my pinned tweet is a link that is all, all 11 pieces. And my Twitter bio is just my name, at Eric Vespe. E-R-I-C-V-E-S-P-E. Awesome. Well, everybody, this has been... Chris and Sarah with the Creating Geeks podcast with our guest, Eric Vespi, who somehow really enjoys talking to me, and I really appreciate that. Um, and as we always say on the show, Sarah. There's no shame in being a geek, no matter how old you are. Eric, thank you so much for joining us, dude, and thank you for um, giving us a little bit of extra time tonight. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you both. Appreciate it. All right, man. Go, 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 and, go enjoy um, um, killing 12-year-olds in Destiny. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I hope it, this podcast didn't cut out for, for that last part for, for people. <laughs> Enjoy killing 12-year-olds, dot, 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 dot. Dot, dot, dot. That's how we'll end it, yes. Creating <laughs> Geeks podcast. Enjoy killing 12-year-olds. No, just create more geeks after that, right? Yes. Yeah, wait. Crap. Anyway, dude, ha- <laughs> right, have a good night. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. All right, bye. Bye, guys.